I guess uh, MSU had their graduation ceremony this morning. Do we have any graduates with us tonight? Yeah, right there. All right, good job. Way to go. Way to go. Yeah. And of course, we don't want to forget it is Mother's Day weekend. So can I have you stand if you're a mom, if you're an expecting mom, a grandmother, or if you're becoming in the process of trying to become a mom, would you please stand? Look at all of them. You guys are brave women. Can we give our moms a hand? Well, as Brian mentioned in the video, my name's Tara Bradford, and I'm on staff here at Journey Church. But what I want to emphasize that he did tell you is that Sandy and I are moms. We're not professional speakers. (laughs) We don't do this a lot. So we're just setting the bar really low to start off with. Well, I'm married to a wonderful man named Ty, and we came here to help start Journey Church five years ago. We have two boys. They're um, 16, just about, and Alex is our oldest, and then Evan's our younger one, and he's just about 12. We actually also have three children who currently live in Ethiopia, and their names are Meskarem, Warku, and Zanash, and they'll be joining our family as soon as our adoption's complete. So you can pray for that if you would. Well, in honor of Mother's Day weekend, I think we can all understand that being a mom is a tough job, and there's a lot of responsibility that goes along with it. It's one of the lowest paying but most rewarding jobs that a woman will ever have. Moms are a very important figure in our lives, and there's a lot that we learn from them, good and bad. I know I've personally taught my boys a lot, things that I intended to teach them, things that I didn't intend to teach them, things I'm proud of and things I'm not so proud of. They get up in the morning and they go over to school here in Bozeman. And then when they come home, they get to go to the school of mom by night. Maybe some of you have your own school of mom where you live. I want to share with you maybe just a few lessons that you've learned at the school of mom. So first, there's mom's lesson on religion. Did you ever hear your mom say this? boy, you had better pray that comes out of the carpet. (laughs) How about mom's lesson on contortionism? I never could figure this one out. Would you look at the dirt on the back of your neck? Not really sure how we expect our kids to do that. Then I'm sure you've all heard mom's genetic lesson. You are just like your father. (laughs) And then how about mom's lesson about the weather? You ever walk into your kid's room and say, Oh my gosh, it looks like a tornado swept through here. And then finally, there's mom's lesson on the circle of life. I, can, I brought you into this world, and I can take you out. <laughs> so no wonder my boys tell me their heads hurt all the time because they're just learning all day long, aren't they? Well, even as we think on the things that we've learned from our moms and feel a sense of appreciation for them and their role in our life, Mother's Day can be very difficult for some people. There might be some of you here tonight who are desperately wanting to have children, and for some reason it may have been a challenge. You might even be here tonight and you have tragically lost a child too young. You might even be a child yourself and you've unexpectedly lost your mother. Or maybe you're a mom here flying solo and you're feeling worn down and out of breath. I might even guess that there would be some of you here tonight who didn't have a good relationship with your mom, and when you think about her, it brings thoughts of pain. Well, whether you're a mom or a child, 
a day like Mother's Day brings to our minds a relationship that's either celebrated or lost. I was actually abandoned by my biological mother, but I was blessed to grow up with an adoptive mother. She actually ended up struggling with life itself for most of my childhood because of multiple divorces, health issues, and severe depression. She actually ended up passing away in 2001. So for me, my relationship with my mom this Mother's Day is both a celebration and a loss. When my mom was alive, though, like most of you, I would try to find her the perfect card, or send her flowers, or buy her the perfect gift. I would do this as an expression of my appreciation for her. But what I realize now, and especially being a mom myself, is that the best gift we can give our moms doesn't come in a vase, a box with a pretty bow on it, or in an envelope. The best gift that we can give our moms is honor, respect, and a relationship. Well, today, Sandy and I are going to unpack with you how we can give our moms respect, honor, and a relationship, despite the brokenness or the hurt of our childhood. Would you please bow and pray with me? Father, we just thank you, Lord, for the blessing of motherhood. It's an honor. It's a gift. The children are yours, and you've gifted them to us. We thank you, Lord, for the role we get to play in their lives. And we ask you, Lord, that you would be with each of the moms here in this room, that you would just watch over them and protect them and guide them. We just invite you here tonight, Lord. This message is yours, and I pray that your words would be heard clearly. We ask this in your name. Amen. Well, if you have your Bible with you, you can go ahead and turn to Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 3. If you don't have a Bible with you, you can see that you can follow along up on the screens or on your notes page. Here we find Paul talking talking to the believers in Ephesus, and he tells them, Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. Honor your father and mother. This is the first of the Ten Commandments that ends with a promise. And this is the promise If you honor your father and mother, you will live a long life full of blessing. Well, you know, as a mom, when I first read this, I really thought, boy, it'd be terrific if this was, you know, real literally, as it sounds like it is. When my boys aren't behaving or obeying me, it'd be really great to just be able to say to them, you know, if you don't honor me, it's going to be God that takes years off your life, not me. Well, you know, that's not true, is it? We actually know that what this scripture does tell us is that obeying and honoring our parents is the right thing to do in God's eyes. And the promise isn't that God will give or take years off of your life, but that God did place our parents in our lives to love us, to teach us from right and wrong, and for protection. Our parents try to steer us away from potentially harmful situations both physically and emotionally, that could be dangerous or life-threatening. Maybe when you were younger, you heard your own mom tell you, don't go in the street, or you might get hit by a car. Or maybe you heard your mom say, don't climb so high in that tree, you might fall and break your neck. Well, our parents are continually trying to teach us how to stay away from physically dangerous situations. And then as we get older, 
Our parents might caution us about the social choices that we make. Now, there might be some teenagers in the audience, and we were all teenagers at one point. And sometimes teenagers think that their parents are trying to control them. I know my teenager thinks I do. But we're really just trying to protect them emotionally and sometimes physically from harmful situations. So when our parents say, you know, staying out till 3 o'clock in the morning probably just isn't a good idea. Or when our parents say, no, I'm sorry. You know, going to that kegger probably isn't going to be a good idea. You know, our moms are just trying to protect us, aren't they? We might even hear the words from our kids when we give them those kinds of directives. You are so mean. You're just trying to control my life. But as parents, we know better, don't we? We are trying to protect them because we love them. Well, in all that our parents do try to teach us, it ultimately comes down to our individual choice, doesn't it? A choice to follow that instruction that we typically make based on the fact if we do respect our parents. In this scripture that we just read, it's very clear that God commands us to honor our parents. In other words, we're to respect them or revere them. Now for those who have relationships that might be broken or lost with their mothers, this might be a hard thing to swallow. We might reason that she doesn't deserve my respect because of how she treated me. And the last thing that I really feel like doing on Mother's Day is calling her or acknowledging her in any way. Well, I hope you understand that honoring our moms means more than just an outward expression of her existence on Mother's Day through a card, a gift, or a phone call. It also means that there's an internal decision we need to make to respect the fact that our mothers actually gave birth to us. We mistakenly make an take the attitude of not even allowing ourselves on the very basic level to accept the fact that God did use our mothers to bring us into this world. So even though you may not feel like you want to respect or honor your mom, Jesus actually tells us in John chapter 14, verse 15, if you love me, you will obey my commands. So it's pretty clear God tells us to obey him if we love him. And he's commanded us to honor our fathers and mothers. But how often do we let our feelings override our obedience to Christ? Especially when it comes to relationships with our moms or other people. We tend to place blame solely on our moms or on somebody else. And if we sincerely desire to become more like Christ, then really our relationships are not about our moms. It's about me and it's about you. Colossians 3:13 tells us you must make allowance for each other's faults and forgive the person who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. So today, please hear Sandy and I very clearly on the purpose of our message. We want to encourage you as individuals, whether you are a father, a mother, a son, or a daughter, to reflect on your own baggage and how it might be hindering your relationship with somebody. If we go to Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 1, Jesus tells us, Stop judging others, and you will not be judged, for others will treat you as you treat them. Whatever measure you use in judging others, it will be used to measure how you are judged. And why worry about the speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? 
And how can you think of saying, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? There's two types of baggage that Sandy and I are going to discuss with you today. The first one's obvious, and the second one's subtle. Obvious baggage is baggage that's easily seen or understood. And it typically occurs because of things like alcoholism, neglect, abandonment, divorce, addictions, and so on. Then as Sandy's going to talk about in a minute, sometimes that baggage is not so obvious, but more subtle. So you might be thinking, well, okay, but what does this look like to set my baggage aside? Well, first we have to acknowledge that our relationship is broken or lost, and it needs some work. Then we have to be willing to sit with Jesus and cooperate with him in our healing. Some of you might remember Peter Holmes and Susan Williams. They were with us back in February. Well, in their book, Letting God Heal, Susan writes about her journey to recover from a paralyzing nervous breakdown with the help of Peter and his wife, Mary. In this book, Susan writes about our spiritual house and partnering with the Lord to heal our damage. She wrote, I did not know at the time that my life was like a house which the Lord entered at conversion. He was able to occupy some of the rooms, but others were full of historic damage and disorder which resisted his holy presence. I had to let Jesus in to clean out these rooms, but he required that I go with him, sift through the contents, and actively cooperate in the healing. This is the journey into holiness and sanctification and continues for our entire life. But as we mature in Christ, not just mature in years, he seeks with our help to take over more of our house and will then begin to show the fruit of this as Christ-like spiritual authority, gifting, and anointing. I was to learn that only as I let go of my past would I be able to become the woman that he created me to be. I had to fully occupy my house. Now, I'm guessing some of you can probably relate to this. Some of us have not let Jesus into our spiritual house. And some of us have baggage sitting there that we've never allowed him to claim for us. Maybe it's baggage that your mother passed on to you. Well, regardless of that, think about what holds you back from doing it. Is it fear? God tells us in the Bible that we don't have a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and self-discipline. Sandy's now going to help us understand what it means to hand that baggage to Christ and let him show us what forgiveness looks like. Thanks, Tara. Well, if forgiveness is so important, we really need to ask, what is it? What is forgiveness? What does it look like? There's a lot of confusion now um, about this matter. And so maybe what we should do first is kind of look at what forgiveness is not. Forgiveness does not mean that you will cease to hurt. No, the wounds are deep. And you may hurt, or I may hurt for a long time. And just because we have uh, emotional feelings does not mean that we have failed to forgive if we have this hurt and these emotions going on. Forgiveness does not mean that we'll forget. That would do violence to our rational way of thinking. Um, Hamlet Felix, I think it's, yeah, 
Felix, a German pastor who um, endured through Nazi Third Reich, says that one should never utter the words forgiveness and forget in the same breath. No, we remember. But if we're in forgiving, we no longer use those memories against the other person. Forgiveness is not, de is not depending or is not pretending that that fence never did happen. It did happen. It matters, and it did matter. The fence is real, but when we forgive, we are no longer controlled by our behavior. Forgiveness is not acting as if things will be made the same after the offense. It won't. We have to face the fact that things will change. You know, by the grace of God, they can be a thousand times better, but they will never be the same. So we've got the forgive forgiveness is not, um, I'm sorry, i got to go back here. Forgiveness is not forgetting. It's not uh, ceasing to hurt. It's not pretending it didn't happen. And it's not pretending that our relationships will be the same. Names like baggage and arrows have been attributed to incidences that happen to us that bring hurt and pain into our lives. It shapes how we, who we become, how we respond, and how we move through life. Tara used the word baggage to um, talk about her pain that came into her life. The events in her life that brought about this pain were pretty obvious. Abandonment, divorce. But those aren't the only um, Obvious are not the only things that hurt us. The subtle can hurt us too. Subtle baggage are like arrows shot into our innermost being so subtly that we're not even aware that they happened or we may not even be able to realize that we have been hurt. So if you look at this arrow, it has a sharp point, which I've been told to be very careful of. It has barbs on it, and it's designed to fly silently into its target with the intent to do harm. Isn't that true, hunters? Yep, it is. And just because um, when the arrows are left undetected, or we don't know they're there, we don't know what to do with them, how to get rid of them, they become infected, they fester, and they may even po poison our entire being. Let's take a minute and look at a cell in the human body. A cell, the number of times a cell can divide before it starts to die is about 50 times. And this is called its Hayflick limit. So when a cell, <coughs> excuse me, in each cell is a string of DNA, and at the end of each chromosome is what we call a telomer. And the telomer um, is like each time the cell divides, it shortens a little bit. It's kind of like the time ticking off of a clock. So as the cell grows and divides, the telomere begins to shorten and shorten and shorten until <clears throat> it's almost gone. When that happens, the cell stops growing and begins to die. This is the normal, healthy way of a cell life, of our life, because all of, we're made up from cells. So um, cancer cells, on the other hand, have an enzyme that has become active within that cell called telomerase. And what this does is it causes regeneration of the telomere so that the telomere doesn't shrink and shorten, so therefore the cell does not die. It just continues to regenerate, grow, split, 
can continue to grow so that it causes sickness and death. This is not the healthy way of cell life. You know, God and Satan each have a battle plan or a plan, if you will, to capture our hearts. God's plan is for us to be, um, to know his truth within our innermost being. In Psalm 51.6, it says that he wants us to know the truth in our innermost being. He wants to heal our hearts and our hurt and our pain. Satan's tactics different. He sneaks into our lives like a storyteller. And the problem with the story that he tells us is that it's a lie, a half-truth, or a fiction. John 8:44 says Satan has always hated the truth because there's no truth in him. He is a liar and he is the father of lies. He takes our particular arrows that are wounding each of us and he weaves a message that's individual to each of us. And it says that God isn't fair and God doesn't care. And we begin to see and interpret life through that message. This is a story of all of our lives in one way or another. And at some point, we need to decide and make the decision, what are we going to do with these arrows that we've known? You know, when a woman becomes pregnant and she's excited and happy about this, she spends a lot of time thinking about what kind of mother she'll be. She thinks about nurturing that child and loving on that child and what she's going to teach that child. Um, she's excited about this baby. And the worship team has a song that they're going to share that speaks to those emotions. When you reach the proper age, I will teach you to read. And you can turn the pages, how to dress and tie your shoes. Your one plus ones and your two times two. You'll teach me of hearts and dreams And all of those important things And all that I lost along the way And I can't
of you who are mothers really can feel that those emotions and uh, I'm a grandmother so I'm getting to do it again it's really fun <laughs> um, no matter the original or best intentions of a mom what they may be because she may have arrows in her own life that she's not dealt with and because coupled with the fact that we don't live in a perfect world pain and hurt happen whether intentionally or not and I've seen this in my own life. I have two amazing daughters, Krista and Karen, and they're wonderful mothers. But as I talked with them about this message, it became clear to me that unknowingly, because I had to be perfect, or I was a perfectionist, and because of having to be in control all the time, I shot arrows into them that they now have to deal with. I wasn't intentional nor did I really realize that I was doing it. Um, while we were on vacation a couple weeks ago, we, we, my husband and I, Kelly, we got into an elevator and we we're headed down and we got to a floor and a whole family came in, just a, like a aunts and uncles, cousins, all this. So the, about five or six kids came in and they plastered up against the back of the, you know, elevator and then all the adults came in and at, at the last minute a lady comes squeaking in through just before the door closes she turned around and faced the back of the um, elevator because you know it was so crowded over in the corner a little six or seven year old girl says hi mommy and um, to which the mom says hi brat and then the little girl standing next to me says hi auntie joe to which the lady says, hi, baby girl. And as I watched that arrow hit that little girl and watched her countenance and her body language, it hurt me deep inside because I could just see her pain that she was experiencing. 
from those words that had come from her mother. I don't know what that effect that arrow will have on her, but it sure hurt me when it hit. So um, a few years ago, my mom came to me and asked me for forgiveness for the way she treated us as kids when I was young and growing up. She went on to explain that she had been very angry and that she was angry because her children were taking away all her time and she had none left for herself. Can any of you moms relate to that? <laughs> um, she also said that she was um, frustrated because my dad was gone a lot and she had therefore all the responsibilities for the family on her own. That coupled with the arrows in her life that she hadn't dealt with brought about yelling and spanking in anger but you know what? The funny thing is, I don't remember her, any of that that she was talking about. Or I didn't at the time she was, was relating that to me. But then, a couple, then, then last year, while I was going through boot camp for the second time and doing the unit on forgiveness, I had one of those aha moments when I realized what my mom had told me about my childhood was why I had the, just this incredible desire to be perfect. Everything had to be perfect, not just me, but my family, my home. Everything I did, everything I touched had to be perfect. And then there was the control issue, which I'm still working on. That's a hard one. Um, my husband jokes about that all the time, about me having to be in control all the time. It's like, oh. But then there's also the people pleaser thing. You know, this showed me that there were an awful lot of arrows deep in my soul and my being that I didn't even realize were there. And you know, we all face this, this same decision at some point. What are we going to do again, like I said before, with the arrows that we've known? Are we going to listen to the father of lies and stay the way we are? Are we going to do the work, and it is work, that it takes to live free in Christ. I have some ways here how you can live free in Christ, ways to work through the hurt to freedom in Christ. So number one, we're going to identify the person. On a piece of paper, you write down that person who has wounded you or hurt you. And tonight, yeah, we're talking about moms, but this doesn't, isn't just solely a mom thing. It can be a father, a brother, an aunt, an uncle, a coach, a teacher, old boyfriend or girlfriend, whatever it is, someone has hurt you. You write that name down. Then you identify the hurt. Write down what that, how that hurt person hurts you. And we're going to identify the feelings that we have from that hurt. Be honest. Are you angry? Are you fearful? Are you bitter? You know, God, whatever it is, God knows. And he can handle whatever you say. With these feelings may have come some vows or some judgments that you've made, which also tend to hold us captive in our lives. A vow could be if you felt like your parents weren't there for you while you were growing up, that they weren't um, to, there to support you when you were going to games or when you had problems or school or whatever it was. You might make a vow like, when I have kids, I'm going to always be there to support them. Well, that's a really nice vow, but it's not really possible, is it? 
or the judgment that uh, maybe you had a boss who said that the next time a promotion came up for this certain position that you were the one that was going to get it. And when that time came, you were passed over. And you, re and you make a judgment that all people in authority cannot be trusted. Those things bind us in our lives. So we have to decide to forgive. Forgiveness is not a feeling, but it's a decision of the will. God will never tell us to do something that he will not give us the power to do. In Philippians 4:31, I'm sorry, Philippians 13, it says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That means you. That means me. I can do all things because Christ is going to strengthen me. He's not going to do it for me, but he will give me the strength and the, and the willpower, the, the gumption to do it. Then we need to own our offense in this forgiveness. Are you, again, are you angry, bitter, fearful? What are those emotions that are holding you captive, that are causing you to sin in your life as a, re as a result of being hurt? Owning our part means acknowledging our response to the pain. Ephesians 4:31 and 32 says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as in Christ, God forgave you. So then we're going to take our list that we have, these, this list, and we're going to confess our unforgiveness to God. Now tonight, I might say something like, Lord, today I give up my unforgiveness for Tara and Brian for getting me into this mess. But in reality, no, you just, you're going to go to the Lord and you're going to say the same sort of thing. Lord, forgive me for my unforgiveness for whoever you have on your list and for what they have done. And at this moment, I ask that you will heal me and my emotional hurts. That I will put them, my hand, I put this into your hands and ask for you to give me healing and the power to someday encourage other people in this way. I cut whoever it is loose. You know, last week Derry uh, told us that we were an innovative church and that that meant that he, that we, as a church body, that's you guys, that's us, that we wanted to be there to walk through life with you, with together, no matter what you're going through, what you're experiencing. So t tonight, if you're here and you have some issues or something in this area of forgiveness that you'd like to work through and you feel like you need some help in it, I wish that you would please call the church office and ask for the discipleship department and we will bring somebody along, get somebody to come alongside of you, whether you're male or female, to help you walk through this process. Okay, Tara? Well, I was actually fortunate enough to have a very godly mentor who walked me through my own forgiveness issues with my, my parents. And it actually allowed me in those last years of my mom's life to be able to honor her. She sat there existing amidst her own personal pain of losing my dad to cancer with an addiction to prescription narcotics. She was severely depressed, and I can remember talking to her numerous times and hearing her say, you know, 
I just don't have anything left to live for anymore now that your dad's gone. Well, that could have left me with a lot of heavy baggage that could cause me hurt and to be resentful towards her. But because I had allowed Christ to be, come into my spiritual house and I had a mentor walk me through forgiveness, I was actually able to see her with compassion, knowing that she was just dealing with her own pain. I understood that the best way that I could actually honor her was to take that baggage she was inadvertently handing me and I could give it to Christ. So do you remember when the airlines used to take our bags and not charge us a fee for hauling them? Those were the days, weren't they? Well, I want you to know that Christ has actually done that for us. He has taken our baggage and our arrows and he carries them for us, accounting for the cost and not passing the payment on to us. He's done that freely, willingly, for you and for me. His death on the cross paid that price in full for all of eternity. He actually invites us in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, to come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. So as you begin to think about sifting through your baggage and your arrows, I would like you to think on this. What will you choose? Will you choose to continue to carry those heavy burdens and allow yourself to become weary? Or will you choose to pick up your baggage, pick up your arrows, and carry them to the cross? Laying them there, trusting them with Christ, that the price he paid has finished it. You can go ahead and set your things aside if you like. And just go to a posture of prayer, please. You know, you might be sitting here today and you might have a desire to leave your baggage with Christ at the cross. And you need to know that he will take it from you. In fact, he actually already has. So from where you're sitting, you can just tell him that you realize you have locked him out of your spiritual house. You can tell him that you have sinned and that you want to give that over to him. Just go ahead and acknowledge to him that you desire to yield your life to him and allow him to start your life new and forgiven by his death on the cross. You know, if you just prayed along with me just now, yielding your life to Christ is the most important decision that you will ever make. Our desire here is to support you in that decision. No one's looking around right now, and I'm not going to embarrass you. But we do encourage you that if you did just yield your life to Christ, would you please just put your hand up and make eye contact with me? creation now and Christ is going to help you take that baggage and heal your wounds is there anybody else Father you are a gracious loving merciful God who has paid the price to carry our baggage even before we realized it thank you for the forgiveness that you give us every day and the freedom that we can have by living in a relationship 
We desire to worship you now through giving and acknowledging that everything we have belongs to you. And we desire to give some of that back to you. Please use these gifts to further your kingdom, not only in this valley, but globally as well. We are so grateful, Lord, that we can take our baggage, hand it to you, and leave it at the cross. We trust you with this, and we trust you with our lives. We love you, and we praise you, Lord. Amen. Amen.